Right. Welcome to the Gathering Church this morning. And like Mikey just said, we really are honored. If today is your first Sunday here, we, we mean it. Welcome home. Welcome home. We, everything we do is for you. If it's your first Sunday, we just want you to know that you can, you can just relax and just enjoy your time and just see, see what God does. And so we, we're so honored and glad that you're with us this morning. My name is Robbie Denson. I'm one of the pastors here at the Gathering Church. And we are starting a brand new series this morning called Stress Out. And I, I, don't, I don't think I need a show of hands to believe that everyone in this room deals with stress in certain areas of your life. And if you're very observant, you might be dealing with some stress right now. We were doing a run-through this morning, and our team just does such a great job putting all of this together. We've got dream teamers who are just changing the world, and, and uh, we got a lighting guy that just loves to fidget with these lights, and he said, hey, man, we're starting a series called Stress Out. Are you cool if I leave one of these red lights just white so that somebody is just freaking out the entire service? And I was like, in my head, I was like, no, in my head, I was like, man, we shouldn't do that to people. And then in my heart, I was like, I love that idea. <laughs> I love that, that idea. So that's, that's just for you, whoever you are. Deal with it. His name's Andrew. His idea. I just love it. Stress is a big part of our lives, unfortunately. And, and there's actually been studies done to reveal that stress plays an uncomfortably large role in our lives. The APA, the American Psychological Association, has determined that there are key areas of our lives where we deal with stress the most. And you know what they've discovered is they've identified that you and I find the most stress in these four areas. Time, money, work, and relationships. Amen. Amen. And to be honest, I think, and I think we think, that they've hit the nail on the head on this study. You see, each of us, as we navigate through the seasons of our lives, are having to manage these four areas along the way. And here's something I've discovered in my 32 years. It's really hard. And that, that's that. That's as deep as I got with it. It's just really, really hard. And so here's the question I want to propose to you this morning as we get going on a four-week series. And I just want this to kind of be bouncing around this morning as we may dive into some subject matter that's difficult. I want you to remember your answer to this question, and it's this. If you could replace your stress with joy, would you? If you could replace your stress with joy, would you? I'm assuming the answer is yes, is that, that, that we can all, we all desire to have less stress in our life. And hey, if joy, if joy replaces it, that, that's even better. But here's the thing about joy. Joy doesn't find you. You have to find it. Joy doesn't find you. You have to find it. And so our hope in this series is that we can help you to try to begin to see that if your life is bogged down by the amount of stress you carry, that it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Our key verse in this series is found in Luke chapter 21. And Jesus is talking about the end of times. And as he's wrapping up, he says this in verse 34. As he talks to, to, to this group, he says, 
be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. I want to read this verse again, and I want to bring as much clarity as possible as to what Jesus is saying. He says, be careful or your what? He says, your hearts. Why does Jesus make reference to our hearts here? He does this. I believe he does this because our hearts are on the inside of us. Our hearts are on the inside. You see, stress will always be moving around our lives. We navigate on a highway of stress. But Jesus doesn't want the stress of life to get in our life. Jesus doesn't want the stress to reach our heart because when it gets there, it can do an immeasurable amount of damage to us. And get this, it can do an immeasurable amount of damage to the people around us. Stress is dangerous. And so he says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. That word dissipation means to slowly evaporate. How often do we walk through life just feeling like we can't get caught up and it's just getting away from us? Your hearts will be weighed down with drunkenness. And this, this word drunkenness, it means medication, to meditate. Some of us, we can't get a hold of our lives, so we just want to be removed from our lives. And so we begin to medicate. And for, for, for many of us, it looks like different things. It's not just drunkenness of alcohol. It can look like, I want to sit and watch YouTube for the next six hours because my kids have been terrible today. Or, hey, I need a break, but rather than doing something productive, I need to get away. And there are times and moments for that. But when the anxieties of life hit your heart, the motivation to seek moments of rest change in how we rest. So he says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. And so Jesus is wanting us to not allow the stress that surrounds us to get in us. And the truth is, we've said it, we cannot avoid areas in our lives that cause stress. Work is going to get challenging. There may come a day when HR comes to your office, right, with a box and that weird security guard and says, that's it. We've had to let you go. Money and budgeting are difficult. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I've been there, right? It's not a matter of, you know, am I going to pay the grocery bill or am I going to pay the electric bill, right? And the groceries, got we got to have the groceries. And so it's not a matter of, if we're getting ramen, it's a matter of what flavor ramen we're getting this week. Chicken. Every week. Relationships are hard, right? The point is, stress has a unique ability to knock on the door of our life. And the question is, are you equipped when stress comes knocking? This morning, I, I want to talk to you about something that I'm, I'm passionate about. In fact, my passion for this area comes from a place of pain and suffering. I, I think the last three years of my life, and I'll, I'll share a little bit of that with you, have actually qualified me to speak to you this morning on this subject. We're talking about drum roll. We're talking about the use of your time and your schedule. <laughs> Very exciting. I know. But here's the thing. My schedule and the way I used my time, it almost ruined my life. It almost took me down. Listen to what Job says, chapter 9. 
You may think that this doesn't apply to you, but I think if you open, if you open up a little bit, I think you'll go, oh man, I think Jesus is trying to teach me something this morning. Job says in chapter nine, he says, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. Have you ever felt like there was no way to keep up with the demands that have been put on your life? Have you ever felt that way? And so I found myself three years ago, you know, the the stats are true. 50% of marriages end in divorce. And 92% of church plants fail within the first five years. And so here I am, three years ago, we've just launched a church and I'm trying to manage my relationship with my wife and my, with my children. And then I'm trying to, to manage my role at the gathering church. And, and after we launched this church, our staff realized that we had spent the last two years preparing to launch the church, but we hadn't really thought about the following Sunday. They come every seven days. Did you know that? It reminded me of when we, my wife and I brought our son, Makai, home from the hospital. I remember I pulled the car up to the front of the hospital, and I kid you not, this nurse, they had, we were in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and it was just a pleasant experience. And this nurse, who had been so kind, she you know, wheeled Chelsea out. We plopped her in the car, and they had Makai in his car seat, and they, they put him in the car. And I kid you not, when she put Makai in the car, she shut the door, smiled, and said goodbye, turned around, and walked away. I looked at Chelsea, and I said, I thought she was coming. We don't, we, they're not going to let us take it home, are they? Like, we don't, we don't know what, what we, we, we had planned nine months for the birth of this child, but we didn't think about nothing after, after that. And that's what happened here at the gathering. Our, our training, you know, we, we were prepared to launch, but we didn't know what to. And so I had this feeling of inadequacy of am I really the person? I had an insecurity about whether or not I was the right person for the job. And that season, and I, 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 it's not a proud moment, but I was more focused on looking like a good pastor than I was being a good pastor. And man, it was just really starting to eat at me. The end of my work day would hit and I would just take whatever wasn't finished home with me and I'd be emailing at nine o'clock at night and I, we're far enough removed from this story that I can share it. But one night I found myself first few months into the church and I'm just realizing, oh man, we're, we got to get caught up on a few things. So we, we got some things that aren't working right. We want to care for people better. How can we do that? And I was emailing with someone here at the church and they're not here anymore. So, you know, don't tell them if you know them. Uh, and I, I'm emailing it. We're just kind of going back and forth and we're just kind of spitting ideas out. And she emails me and says, Robbie, you better be glad you're not my husband. And I thought, I am glad I'm not your husband. Sinned. And I had just gotten to a place where I wasn't healthy anymore and I wasn't responding to people healthy anymore. I'd be tinkering with systems after dinner. I couldn't be away from my phone because what if I needed to answer a call or a work through an email that I had just gotten? And so in in late 2016, I didn't know it at the time, but stress had creeped into my life and I had just laid out the red carpet to my heart. And my stress was quickly turning into anxiety and I began to have clear symptoms that something wasn't right. But because I'm an optimist to a fault, I didn't view these as symptoms. I viewed them as opportunities, right? To be a better father, a better husband, a better friend. And I remember sitting down to eat dinner with my family and what should have been a time of rest became a time for the stress that was in my heart 
to reveal itself. It had tried to reveal it to me, but at this dinner, it revealed itself to my wife. And I remember Chelsea kept looking at me and I was like, hey girl, the kids are here. You can't be looking at me like this. She's just staring at me. And she looked at me and she said, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And she just pointed at my right shoulder and I was just going, for, she said, for the last 10 minutes, you haven't stopped doing this. And I've noticed the last several nights when we go to hang out, you're just, you're just tweaking. And so for the next several months, I, I, I would wake up in the morning with, a, with a, a, so, a short shoulder because I had been fidgeting my shoulder so much. But things would get worse. On one occasion, Chelsea and I had just put the younger boys to bed and we were sitting down to watch our show. And in the middle of the episode, she looked at me and this time she said, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. What's wrong with you? No idea what she's talking about. She said, go in the bathroom. Go look at yourself. So I walk into the bathroom, and I, she didn't want me to show you this, but let me just show you, let me show you what, what I saw. I had the weirdest rash. I was turning into a scrawny version of a red Incredible Hulk. And I had this rash, and I just I said, well, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm, feel like I'm, I'm resting, and and, and I had this weird, so I, I sent this picture over to my buddy who's a doctor. And he's like, dude, what is going on with you? And I'm like, no, you're the doctor, you know? And so he sent it over to his dad, who's also a doctor. And uh, their determination was that I was basically, I looked like a test subject to an experiment that had gone wrong. Over the next, over the course of the next year and a half, this would happen to me five or six times and nobody knew why. And I was going to the doctor and they were like, well, like, what about this? And, what? and I'm like, I don't know. You got to tell me. I just poke me, do whatever you need to do. And, and that, actual, that picture I just showed you is actually me on a Saturday resting, hanging out, having a great time. I was watching football. I was watching college football. And I will say I'm a Carolina Gamecocks fan and there is nothing more stressful than being a Carolina Gamecocks fan. And so maybe that is what was going on. Shortly after that, I started having weird breathing patterns. You see, I had been trying to run a race that I wasn't prepared to run. My breathing was, was all wonky, and Chelsea kept saying, Robbie, you're breathing kind of weird. Why don't you go get checked out? And I was like, I, I don't... I don't need to do, to do that, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine. And finally, I, I, I began to feel like I was breathing in air, but all the good oxygen was being filtered out before it could get to my lungs. And so one day I was at work and they said, hey, listen, Robbie, we're not, you, you're not welcome here anymore. Go to the hospital. And so the doctor walked into the room and, and she started to read my oxygen levels. And, and they looked at me. They, she, she ran my oxygen levels. It was a weird moment. Ran my oxygen levels, looked at me like this, walked out of the room and brought an oxygen tank and a mask. And she said, here, put this on. There is not a worse feeling than for the doctor to run a test on you. And rather than using words, they just start taking action. And so she went and she got other doctors and they were all kind of looking at me. And I said, hey, listen, you got to talk to me at this point. What's going on? And they said, listen, a healthy oxygen level runs from 95 to 100%. And that yours is reading 85%. And they said, we don't, we don't know why you're not passing out. And so they began to, to look at me and ask me more questions. And they finally determined two things. They had no clue what was going on with me. 
and I needed to go to the hospital. And I wasn't leaving unless it was in an ambulance or my wife came and got me. And so Chelsea came and got me. We headed down to the hospital only to spend $600 and learn that everything was fine. Later, we would determine through counseling and doctors that what had been happening to my skin and what had been happening to my breathing is that I was having panic attacks for weeks, possibly months. And so I tell you all of that because I want you to know that for the last two years, I've taken the opportunity to shake hands with myself. Not the version of myself that I wanted to project, not the leader or pastor that I wanted to project, but I had to get acquainted with who I really was. And so I feel qualified to teach this morning because my days don't run away from me anymore. The stresses of life are still all around me, but they don't take up residence in my heart anymore. You know, you don't, you don't have to go through what I've gone through in order to find joy. I have made significant changes in the way I live my life in the thoughts that I take captive of. It took a wake-up call for me to get right. For me, the writing was on the wall. The writing was on the wall. That phrase means imminent doom. In other words, bad things were coming. It doesn't have to be that way for you. That phrase actually comes from a story in Daniel chapter 5. Handwriting was on the wall. I want to read this to you because I think it's interesting. In Daniel chapter 5, verse 1, it says, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So here we have King Belshazzar celebrating with his nobles and his brides, and he wanted to show his power and authority. So he said, bring me the goblets that were built and created to honor God. We're going to drink from those. We're going to mock God tonight because of who I am and who we are. We're celebrating tonight. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the kings and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver and of bronze, of iron, wood, and stone. And so it's not enough just to desecrate these goblets, but while they drink, they're going to praise other false gods. And I love how verse 5 starts. It says, suddenly, suddenly. Let me just say something. If you go too far, you might get a suddenly. I was working at a job I love, trying to breathe in oxygen that wasn't there. And I got a suddenly. I was watching a football game on a Saturday, and I got a suddenly. Some of us need to understand that God doesn't create it, but he will allow something to wake us up if need be. Listen to how he woke up King Belshazzar. It says, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak, and his knees were knocking. So the king summoned the enchanters, the astrologers, and the diviners. He summoned the scientists. He, he started looking for answers in the worldly realm. Somebody must understand what somebody must have studied 
this, the appearance of a hand. And someone must understand the writing that is on the wall. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. There's something that that you need to, to understand from this. You can go look for a worldly answer to a spiritual issue, but they don't have the answer for that. Uh, hear me, some of us are, you, some of you, maybe this is your first Sunday or you've been coming and you've been looking for the answer to some of life's problems. But maybe you've been looking in the world. You got to come to God for some of these. The king realized, I, I'm looking for answers in the wrong places. I got to go to God for this. So he remembers, I've got Daniel. Daniel's a great man of God. And so maybe Daniel can help me understand what this writing means. And so he grabs Daniel and Daniel comes up and he does just that. He says, this is the inscription that was written. Many, many tekel parson. This is what these words mean. He would go on and say, here's the answer to your questions. Many. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. He goes on, Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, the plural of parson, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Here, King Belshazzar thought he was having a moment to boast, a moment to desecrate God. And God stepped in and said, not, not so fast. Your days are numbered. The writing is on the wall. Your days are numbered. And we, our hope is that being at the gathering is an uplifting experience. But the reality is some of us need to hear this. Our days are numbered. Our days are numbered. I had a suddenly moment where I'm in the hospital wondering what's going on with me. And, I, and you know what God spoke to me in that season? Robbie, your days are numbered. Why are you living them this way? Why are you living them this way? We can't keep living the way we are living because it is destroying us. Our days are numbered. And here's why it's important for us to understand this. Because anything that you think you have a lot of, you'll tend to squander. Anything that you think you have a limited amount of, you'll always conserve and use it wisely. The reality is that when we live as though our days are not numbered, our lives can easily get out of balance. And when we misuse our time, it divides our kingdom. When we misuse our time, it will cost us something. Some of us are here this morning and you're saying, it it has costed me something. And so let me ask you a question. If you could replace your stress with joy... Would you? And remember, joy doesn't find you. You have to find it. And so in this series, we want to help you find joy. We want to help you to discover joy. And so with the rest of my time this morning, I just want to look at three ideas, three ideas that, I, that we believe can help you to discover joy, to take steps to finding joy and minimizing stress, to, to remove stress from your heart. The first is this refocus on what matters most. Refocus on what matters most. 
What if you were to tell yourself, listen to this, this is a crazy idea for some of us, right? What if you were to tell yourself, I don't need to do every activity that I could do. I don't need to do every activity that I could do. In fact, the truth is, you were made to run. You were made to run, but you only have a limited amount of energy and time to run on. And what happens to many of us is this. We say, I'm going to take it all on. I'm going to do it all. And we spend all of our energy on a lot of different things, but nothing that we work at gains any momentum because our energy is just spread too thin. And so here's, here's another idea. What if we could live like this? What if we could live like this? The truth is, we can go further faster when we identify and refocus on what matters most. Some of us, some of us need to stop focusing. And here's what I mean. Nobody's saying that you're not trying your hardest. Nobody is saying that you're not working your hardest. But some of us need to stop focusing so that we can refocus. Because it could be that you're in a season where work is your main focus and what you really need to be focusing on is your family. So we got to step back and refocus. A year ago, I walked into Pastor John Mark's office and shared with him some areas that were beginning to weigh on me and some areas of tension and potential stress. And you see, what I had to do was kind of take my own advice. I had to step out, take a 5,000-foot view of myself. And what I saw was that I had been misaligning my energy. I was investing 110% at work. But when I took the time to refocus, I saw that my family needed a lot more energy than I was giving them. You see, we had been fostering for six months, and with that, the meetings were beginning to pile up, and our schedule was out of control. We, we know our days were running past us. My wife needed me. My kids needed me. And so, so Pastor John Mark said, hey, man, what, what do you need from me? Like, what can, I, what can I do for you? And I just got on. I said, man, I need to be able, if my wife calls, I need to pick up, and if I need to go, I need to go. Uh, my kids need me at their school functions this semester. I need to be available. And I just, I sat there and I just got honest, open and vulnerable. And he said, listen, man, nothing you do here is more important than your family. Do what you need to do. Some of us need to step out of the whirlwind that is your life and ask yourself this, am I focusing on the right things? You cannot grow in the areas you are unwilling to identify are weak. That's why stepping out and spending some time to evaluate what matters most is so important. So I, very quickly, I just want to give you, if you don't know what matters, let me just give you three. There are a lot of things matter. But let me just give you three real quick that just, they really matter. Relationships matter. Relationships matter. I cannot urge, urge you enough to take time, to make time for relationships. Could it be today that there is something that you don't need to be doing so you can go home and be with your family. November 3rd, is there something today that you need to step away from because your family needs you more? Maybe this week you need to reevaluate your nights and say no to some things that steal your energy and say yes to some things that need your energy. What would it do for your marriage if you sat down with your spouse 
and ask these two questions. How are you doing and how can I help you? And it's not just marriage relationships. You know, I, I had lunch this week with a, with a guy who has teenage children because my wife and I are parents to a 7, 8, and 13-year-old, and quite frankly, we don't know what we're doing. And so I'm able, and, and I, I'm able to leverage a genuine, authentic relationship to say, hey, man, here's where we're at. What are your thoughts and opinions? We can, I cannot stress the importance of relationships. Last week, Chelsea and I had made plans to go down to Charleston and just spend some time refocusing. And some of our good friends, Paul and Heath Mackey up here, they said, oh, we heard you guys are going down to Charleston. Can we crash Friday night? And we were like, I don't know. <laughs> don't want you to. And then we, we kind of stepped back and we said, you know what? Let's hang out with Paul and Heath. And so they came down Friday and we hung out all Friday night. Then we were like, <clears throat> let's hang out Saturday Saturday morning, and you know what we did? Nothing. We ate all-you-can-eat oysters at Bowen's Island Restaurant, and it was awesome. And we laughed. We told jokes. But you know what that time did? It rejuvenated my soul. <laughs> Relationships matter. You know, we're halfway through our life groups here at The Gathering, but we have several that are still open. Get in a group and I throw yourself into community. Get vulnerable. I got a text this week from one of the guys in my freedom group, and that's all he said was, hey, man, I hope you're having a great week. I just want to let you know this group has changed my whole life. It's changed my whole life. He's a father. He's a dad. He's a businessman. I'm telling you, it's, he's in a position of influence, and Jesus has changed his life because he's realized relationships matter. Relationships matter. We all need these kind of relationships. We hear it in Ecclesiastes. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Just get in good relationships and make them a priority. The second thing is this. Your purpose matters. Your purpose matters. I love what Paul says in Acts. He says in Acts chapter 20, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You have an assignment that has been placed on you. I love it. This morning I came in and I'm kind of going and talking to our teams and I run into Maya who leads our coffee team and the coffee grinder has been broken and I'm just like a big fan of being like, I'll buy a new one. I don't, I don't want to fix it. She said, no, I'll fix it. And so this week she cracks open the, the coffee grinder and she's fixing it. She cuts her hand, but she just puts a Band-Aid on and she said, hey, I got the coffee grinder working. Can I just tell you something? Her job is not to make coffee. Her job is to serve people. She understands that her purpose matters because when we say welcome home, there ain't, you can't say welcome home and not offer coffee. <laughs> Those two things, it's cold outside. We, we got a team that comes at 6.30 in the morning and they're setting up pipe and drape and they're, they're, they're cutting up and having fun. But what they realize, they're not setting up a church. They're creating a place for people to encounter. God, your purpose matters. Go to growth track. 
We do not have a perfect system to help you discover your purpose, but I think we have a good system, and I think we're getting better at it. Next week, we're constantly reworking our growth track to help you to more clearly and more effectively and quickly identify your purpose and get serving in the local Church, because when you begin to serve in the local church and you see how your abilities can make a difference in someone else's life, that momentum carries itself to Monday. For you to know, some of us just don't know that with our lives, we can make a difference in someone else's. And as the local church, we want to help you see that there's a place for you in the kingdom. There's a place for you on this side of heaven to make an impact. Something else that matters. Eternity matters. Eternity matters. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought the field. That field that Jesus is referencing in this story, that field represents eternity. The man understood that eternity matters. And so he went and hid it, and then he went and sold everything he had because he wanted to buy that field where he had hidden it. If we really knew how much eternity matters, we would put every part of our lives toward it. I believe that. The second idea I have for helping you realign how you use your time is this. Reduce the non-essentials. Reduce the non-essentials. You cannot eliminate the non-essentials. I get it. Life is happening. But you, you can't eliminate, but you can reduce. And so hear me say this. Watching Netflix is not creating negative momentum in your life. Here, some of you are like, oh, amen. Watching, I'm going to go home today. I'm going to probably watch a decent amount of football. Watching Netflix, watching four hours of Netflix a night is creating negative momentum in your life. Here's something I've done to help me align my focus and my time. And this is for me. This may, not, this may not be for you at all. A year ago, I turned off the notifications on my email. Why? Because when I'm sitting at home, and this is just, I lack the ability to see a one on my phone, like a little red one, and not check it. And if it gets to three, I am just tweaking. You know what I'm saying? And so I thought, why do, I don't have to overcome this. I can delete it. And so I turn, you go into your settings, you just turn off the notifications. Now I only know if I got email, if I go in and scroll. And so a couple months ago, you want, for me, this is big, man. This has been a freedom thing for me. You know what I did? I delete my email off my phone. See ya. Here's why. I work hard from nine to five. I do. And when I go home, nobody needs me more than my family does. I sit around the table, and if I'm checking email, I can't break up the fight that's happening because we're playing Uno, and they can't figure out who it got reversed to. But my God, nobody needs me when I'm sitting around the table with my family. My family needs me. What are some things that keep you from what matters most? Are you willing to reduce those things? we got to refocus we got to take a 5,000-foot view of, of, of our lives and say, hey, what's, what's pulling me away from what I've identified matters the most? Are you willing to reduce those things? King Solomon had a great piece of advice on this subject. I love this. He said, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. 
I love this. If you invest yourself heavily, heavily in one thing, you'll find tranquility. And here's why. Because if I'm investing myself in everything, I'm vulnerable. I've got no, I've, I've got both hands. I'm, I've got no way to protect myself. But if I can lean in, discover my purpose and lean into it, I can live with tra- stresses around me and it's not in me. And I can live with tranquility. And guess what I can do? I can protect myself. I don't have to be as vulnerable. And so what he's saying here is that it's actually better for you to do less than it is for you to do more. I love uh, Cal Newport's a great author. He has a book called Deep Work that I would, I would recommend. And he says this, people who multitask all the time lose the ability to weed out irrelevancy. People who multitask all the time lose the ability to weed out irrelevancy. Some of us are trying to do everything as if everything we do matters equally. And it doesn't. And that's okay. What do you need to let go of? You can pick it back up later because there's a time for that. But right now, it doesn't need to be your focus. What would happen if you learned to say no? What would happen if you, I think we need to get better at saying no. And this isn't in my notes, but I think this is important because so many of us, our schedules are determined by others. But can I just say this? If you, if you learn to say no, you'll trade popularity for respect. If you learn to say no, you can trade popularity for respect. And so we we're talking about these ideas, and we've talked about refocusing on what matters most, and we talked about reducing the non-essentials. Here's what's great. Once you do those two things, you get to move into our third idea, and this is the best one. You're going to love it. You get to reprioritize your life. Reprioritize your life. Here's something that, that we've got to get better at understanding. The order in which you do things matters. If you put your shoes on before you put your pants on, I hope you figure that out before you leave the house. The order in which you do, the way that you prioritize your life matters. And here's why. If I don't prioritize my life, someone else will, right? People have a unique ability to schedule my schedule for me. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I got these they're not Rubbermaid, Betty Crocker up here. And they're just these buckets. They're just simple, nothing to them. But they, let's say they represent our lives. And, and here we have these little rocks, right? And let's say these little rocks represent the four meetings that I have. I have four meetings this week that are outside of my normal meetings. And that's just, that's a part of the job, but it's, it's part of my life. I got I to gotta manage those. Maybe I shouldn't have scheduled four in one week, but I did. And I, I got to live with that, Right? And so here we are, and we got these little rocks, and it's the doctor's appointment, and it's, uh, for me, it's my, uh, my fantasy football league draft, and I had one, and two days later, I had my other fantasy football league draft, right? And then I got my kid's basketball game, and I got all the, all the things that pull at me, all the, the stressors of life they're pulling at me, right? But then I've got these big rocks. I've got my purpose. Right? This, is my, this is my purpose. My purpose matters. My, my purpose for me specifically has been the local church and adoption. That's me. This is so important to me, right? This is, I live my life this way. And then I've got my, uh, finding freedom. We're all 
pursuing freedom. And we just believe that once you know God, you can find freedom. And, and so we're trying to find freedom. And so for me, my life group is one of the most important things that I do. Nothing gets in the way of my life group, right? And so that matters, right? And I, I, it's got to be in my life. And then I've got my family. They're so crucial to me. And I, they've, they're a huge part of, of my life. And so here I am living my life. The problem is it doesn't all fit. And so many of us, so many of us, this is our life. It doesn't all fit. But I just want to make a suggestion. What if we did it differently? What if we said, I'm going to, my purpose is too important for anything. And so I'm going to, I'm going to put this in first. This gets, this gets the most of me, right? And then my family, I, I don't know where I'd be without my wife. And so I'm going to, you know what, we need to, she wants to go, to, we're going to go to counseling because that's the most important thing in my life. And we just need to, we got a lot going on and there's a stressor in our life and we don't want to let it get in our heart. And so, you know what, we're going to start going to counseling and that's going to become, this is too important for me to leave out, right? And then, you know, I've got my, I can't, I got to live with my life group. I love it. I love those guys. They just, they, they fill me up. And so that's the most important things in my life. But I get it. Jesus gets it. I get it. You, the dinner matters. I, you got to cook dinner. You got to go to all the appointments. Life is still happening. And so we, we got to add that stuff. All of the, Jesus cares about it all. But there's something about the order in which you live your life determines the capacity of your life. If we were to begin to say, what are my big rocks? What, what are your big rocks? What are the most important things in your life? And we were to say, I'm going to lead with the big, nothing gets in the way of my family. I don't need to work 70 hours a week. My family needs me. What are the big rocks? Here's the thing. The way you prioritize your life matters. Order determines capacity. There are areas of your life that are far more important than any other area of your life. We got to believe that this morning. Look at what Jesus says. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For you, maybe it's, how am I going to get dinner cooked? How am I going to get the kids from school? How, how am I going to make it all happen? And he goes on to say, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them too. So Jesus is saying, I know that dinner has to be cooked. I know that, that there, so I know you got to respond to email. I know you got homework. All of that stuff matters, but keep listening. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Put the big rocks in and all these things will be given to you as well. Order determines capacity. Identify the big rocks minimize the little rocks and reprioritize your life. I'm going to I'm going to pray in just a minute, but you know, I truly believe, I'm a nerd when it comes to this stuff. I truly believe that what we're talking about this morning has the ability to change someone's life. Here's the deal. There is not a new calendar app that you can get for free or pay for that's going to help you with your calendar. That's going to help you with the way that you use your time. We've got to stop looking for a worldly answer to our spiritual problems. It's not often that you hear a sermon in church about your calendar, but 
Could it be that this is the area you need to surrender to Jesus the most? And so are you tired? Are you anxious? Are you overwhelmed? Are you exhausted from watching your days just run right by you? Life does not have to be that way. I want to show you this verse in closing because you've probably seen this, but do, do yourself a favor. Take a look at this with fresh eyes. Just take a look at it with something new inside you and listen to what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Some of us are having marriage issues, financial setbacks, work strain, whatever it is for you. You know, it could be that you're sitting in here right now, a room full of people, a room of people that you know love you. It could be that you're sitting here right now and nobody knows the depths of your depression. And you're just doing everything you can to hold it together. Maybe, maybe there's a mom in this room who feels like they've lost themselves because motherhood feels different than you thought it would. Can I just tell you something? There are so many benefits to following Jesus. There's, there's freedom and there's purpose. But one of my favorite things about following Jesus is that in him, he gives me rest. I just believe that somebody needs to take rest this morning. And you have an opportunity to do that. Let's pray. I know that in a room like this, in a city like this, there are people in here who say, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know this Jesus. I want to introduce you to him today. There is an opportunity for you to find rest for your soul. Now, our church exists for four reasons. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and, and make a difference. We know you've got your past. We've got your hangups. You've got, you've got your things that are holding you back from being the person you want to be. But can I just tell you something? If you want to find freedom, come to know God. Because in him, there is rest. And so I'm going to pray. And this morning, if, if you say, you know, I want to receive Jesus into my heart. I want, to, I want to explore a little more of what this whole thing is about. Just repeat this in your soul with me, in your spirit with me. Jesus, thank you that in you I don't have to be perfect. That you pursued me to the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross for my sin. Thank you that I have an opportunity to be made clean that I don't have to live the way that I've been living because it's been destroying me. Jesus, I receive you into my heart. And even though I may not know what that means, I'm taking the first step. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. In the name of Jesus, amen.